lesson four, we're going to look at uh, Paul and Timothy. Uh, we're in chapter two, and we're going to chapter three. Okay, we're going to look today, Paul's writing this letter, he's going to talk about Timothy with them. We'll talk about his desire, Timothy's visit with them, and we're going to try to glean some things from this interaction with the Thessalonians that we can apply to our lives. So let's look, first of all, at chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 17 through 20, and talk about Paul's desire, okay? 17 through 20, Paul's desire. But we, brethren, have been taken away from you for a short time, in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, or our joy, or our crown of rejoicing? Is it not you, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. Okay, so let me go on and tell you a little bit about here. He's going to talk about his desire. And the desire that Paul has is he wants to visit them. Because he's the spiritual father for this church. He's the one who started this church. So he has a desire to visit them. So, after having been taken away from the Thessalonians, and remember now, he kind of had to leave them because of persecution. Go back to Acts, second missionary journey, you see that Paul had to kind of leave them because he was being persecuted. Paul desired to see them again. Paul desired to see them again. So after <coughs> having been taken away from the Thessalonians, Paul desired to see them again. Now, when Paul desired to come to them again, time and again, he was hindered by Satan. Now, this is an interesting statement. Time and again, he was hindered by Satan. Now, what do you think that means? I kind of have to discuss that because people have unusual concepts and ideas about what Satan does. So this is a good point to kind of talk about it. What do you think? It, what do you think Paul's talking about? Well, okay, roadblocks. That would be a good generic term, Tracy. What do you think he's talking about? Let's expand beyond what Tracy said. What kind of roadblocks? How would Satan be hindering him? Okay, maybe he's facing some health issues. That's possible. Okay, that's good to learn. Anybody else? What's the reason he left there? Persecution. You think that people's attitudes have changed there because of that? No. Probably another way is is that the the the, the uh, Feelings are still just as strong, even though he wants to go. Satan is still stirring up people, so that's not allowing him to be able to go on a visit. Do you understand? See, the reason why I brought this up is we've got to be careful what we say about, you know, as far as what Satan can do. But what Paul's doing is he's wanting to make an overall statement to reflect the conditions and the circumstances that he's facing. You understand what I'm saying? Because Satan is the one who is stirring up the Jews and some of the Gentiles against him. Satan is the one who has, is basically could be striking him with health issues and so forth. 
So it's a lot of times the hindrance and the suffering that we face in our lives, the overall picture of it is, is that that's the attack of the enemy against us. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's wanted to tell, but Satan has hindered him. Now, if you got down to the nitty-gritty of it, probably a bunch of people who were, who were fussing and fuming, who were out to get him, so he's got to lay low. There's a lot of different reasons. Maybe the finances aren't there for him to make the trip. Maybe the health issue. Maybe even the weather. Because remember now, he just doesn't hop on a train or catch a flight to go back to Thessalonians. He's got to walk there. Okay? Because he's in Corinth. He can't just hop on a motorbike or, or, or get in a car and drive. So he's in Corinth, so maybe there's a lot of different reasons. But Paul's going to take a bigger perspective and say that Satan is hindering the work there. How do we stop the moment? Do you think Satan hinders things in your life? Okay, Bruce says yes. Anybody else? You might be surprised what he's involved in. And you say, why would he do that? Well, I can tell you exactly why he would do that. It's because you believe in who? Jesus, and because you belong to who? Jesus, because you're saved. Now, when you got saved, I don't know if anybody told you, you got a big target painted on your chest. Okay? You got a big target painted there. The enemy wants to destroy your life. He wants to discourage you. He wants to hinder you because he does not want you living for the Lord. He wants to attack your families. He wants to attack you. Okay? That's the perspective we need to grasp here. So Paul desired to come to them again, but time and again he was hindered by Satan. Now Paul's joy and hope was the knowledge that they will be with Jesus Christ at his coming. That's what encouraged Paul. What encouraged Paul was knowing that the Thessalonian believers were saved and he was going to see them where? In heaven. He was going to see them with Jesus. That's what motivated Paul, was knowing that they were doing well. Okay? Knowing that they were doing well. So Paul's joy and hope was the knowledge that they will be with Jesus at his coming. So let's look with me now verses 1 to 5. He's going to talk about Timothy's visit. So, Paul may not have been able to go and visit them, but Timothy was able. Okay? Timothy was able. So let's talk about that. Let's look at verses 1 to 5, chapter 3. Therefore, when we could no longer endure, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that you were appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before, we were with you, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, I could no longer endure it. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. All right, so let's talk about Timothy's visit now. So because of his concern for them, Paul stayed in Athens. Now this would be about Acts chapter 17, folks. Do you understand where this is in the book of Acts? This is Acts chapter 17. Because of his concern for them, Paul stayed in Athens and sent 
sent Timothy to him. So even though he couldn't go, he was so burdened for how they were doing, he sent Timothy back to them. Now Timothy was described as a minister and a fellow laborer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is how he describes him. He describes him as a as a man of integrity, a man who serves with him, a man who's serving for the gospel. And here's why Timothy was sent back. Timothy was sent to encourage and strengthen the Thessalonians in their faith. Now let me just stop for a moment. Folks, I need you to understand that's what pastors are for. Sometimes we have a misunderstanding and a misconception about pastors. What do you mean? Well, we think that they're the ones who are supposed to do all the work of reaching people for Jesus, doing evangelism, and there are pastors who have gifts of evangelism, but that's not the primary task of a pastor. Timothy's task when he was sent there, and Timothy is a pastor, the task of a pastor is to encourage people to grow in their what? Faith. He's saying to him, I don't know, that's kind of a stretch. I think you're just kind of bringing that out of the text. I don't know that I see that. Okay, well let's go to a cross-reference. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul's writing this church, and he's going to kind of point out something to them. In verses 7 and 8, he says this, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he's talking about Christ's gift to believers. Okay? And in verse 8, he said, Therefore, when he ascended on high, he let captive be captive, and gave gifts to men. Now, when he ascended, what does that mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he who descended is the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. All right, so here's what he's doing. He's kind of describing, this is what the Romans did. So in their culture, they would understand this completely. When the Romans won a battle, they would have a big victory parade back in Rome. And the conquering general would come with his troops and they'd have a big parade, and they would parade around the spoils of war. Whatever they took, the gold and everything would be brought in. The prisoners would be brought in and they would be paraded. And here's what would happen, is that the conquering general would then give gifts to the Roman citizens of Rome from the spoils that were taken from the city that they would defeat. This is the illustration that Paul's using here, is that when Christ descended, what does that mean? He's not talking about him descending to hell here, folks. He's talking about descending to earth. When he descended, he also ascended. That's talking about his resurrection and ascension. And when he ascended, he gave gifts. To who? To you and I. Because that's what verse 7 is talking about. He gives us a measure of grace according to his gift. Now here's some of the gifts that he gave to the church. Here's what I want you to see. Look with me at verse 11. This is talking about Jesus. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Alright, so stop. Some of the gifts that he gave to believers, 
Now, why were they given posts? To do all the work? No. Look at what verse 12 says. 12 and 13. For the equipping of the saints. Stop for a moment. Who's the saints? That's us. It's not some high God. It's you and I. So the pastor was given to equip you for what purpose? Why does he need to equip us? Look at what the verse says. For the work of the ministry. I thought that's the preacher's job. Is that what we pay him for? No, no. You are being equipped so that you can do ministry. Why? Stop for a moment. Why? Think about it again. How many people did you come in contact with this week? Intentionally and unintentionally. Now, stop for a moment. Did I come in contact with any of those people? Maybe. Maybe our paths overlap, but the percentage is pretty small. The people that you meet during a given week, I may never meet some of those folks ever. Now, who are they supposed to hear Jesus from? Billy Graham? Well, Billy's ministry is done. They're supposed to hear about Jesus from who? You. Did you understand what I'm saying? Let's go on here. Look what it says. For the work of the ministry, and notice now the second thing, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, who's the body of Christ? The church, yes. So, I'm supposed to, the pastor is supposed to equip you to do the work of the ministry, reaching people with the gospel, but also equip you to what? Minister to each other. Be there for each other. And notice how, how long are we supposed to do that? Look at verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Wow, when does that happen? When Jesus comes back. You understand what I'm saying? Because we're not, have we ever been in a place of unity here, folks? I can almost guarantee you, no. I mean, we can't even unify on what, I mean, even if you like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you don't necessarily agree about everything about the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? You know what I'm saying? So, that's what he's saying. So he sent them back. Let's get back to Thessalonians. Let's go back to Thessalonians. He sent Paul back, Timothy back, to encourage and strengthen them. That's what needs to happen here. That's what the church is primarily for as far as you are here, so that you are encouraged and strengthened. Why does that need to happen? Let's start for a moment. How many of you had a real life week? What do you mean a real life week? I mean, you got the snot kicked out of you this week about something. You know what I'm saying? How many of you had that, and you've been discouraged, right? Listen, that's what church is about. Is you're supposed to come with others who maybe they're not weak, it's been a little bit better, but they can encourage you as you went through it and encourage you to face another week. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? In fact, that's what we're going to see here in this passage. Let's go on. They were to be encouraged so that no one would be shaken by their afflictions. I'm going to tell you right now, the number one reason why people walk away from the church here it is. They get shaken by the stuff that they go through, and they can't understand why God would allow that to happen. They get 
is shaken in your faith and no wrong way. That's not true in every case, but I'm going to tell you that's true in most of the cases. In fact, some of you right now can think about people who used to come to church, who used to be a part of the church, but then something terrible happened or some kind of circumstance happened, and they prayed, and they begged, and they asked God to do something that God didn't do what he, they wanted him to do, and they're no longer here. They no longer go to church. You know what I'm saying? Paul said, I'm sending Timothy to you so that he would encourage you and strengthen you. Why? Because he's supposed to encourage you so that you don't get shaken when you face the stuff of life. You understand what I'm saying? That's what church is supposed to be about, folks. Strengthening you so that you can face the stuff of life. So if you were here while the band was practicing, how many of you were here while the band was practicing? You hear that one song they were practicing? Okay. Even when the healing doesn't come, life falls apart, dreams are still undone, you are God, forever faithful. And I remember when we first introduced that song, somebody, somebody really had a problem with that song because that kind of went against what their thoughts were about their theology of God. But to be honest with you folks, that's the way it is. We're still going to praise him even when he doesn't answer us or even when our dreams don't come true. He's still God. And you need to be encouraged to hold on to your what? Faith. So there we go. We see Timothy. They were to be encouraged not to be shaken by the afflictions of their face. Hey, let me stop for a moment. Can I tell you something? Number one place you need to be when you're going through and it's also the number one place that you're not going to want to be. The church. Number one place you need to be. Why? Because you need to have people there to surround you with love to say no prayer for you. And encourage you. But, number two, it is the number one place you don't want to be. Why? Because you're embarrassed. That could be a reason. You're depressed. That could be a reason. You don't want to talk about it. That could be a reason. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, it's the number one place that you need to be. See, that's why we need to equip you to do the ministry of what? Edifying the body. To be there for each other. Let's go on. He pointed out that Christians were appointed to suffer for their faith. Now, folks, I know that there's some dude on the TV, and there even in our community, that will tell you that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. It is a lie straight out of the pit of hell. And that has deceived so many Christians. So that when they do suffer, and folks, you're going to suffer. Why? You live on planet Earth. You know what I'm saying? How many of you have direct control of what happens in Washington? Raise your hand. And you know that they do things and make decisions up there that filter down and affect you negatively. It doesn't matter what party's in control, right? You understand? That's out of your control. That's just life. Now, you need to grasp the reality. That suffering is a part of our life. 
and especially for a Christian. Have you ever noticed that when you become a Christian, things don't necessarily get better? They actually seem to get what? Worse. Why? Because you were appointed to suffer. It's through suffering that Jesus purifies your life. It's through suffering that he matures you to become more like who? Jesus. Now, do we enjoy that? No. Should we go and say, oh, wow, wonderful, I'm suffering? No. Come talk to me. We'll point you in the right direction to a counselor, okay? Because that's not normal. But you need to have a bigger picture. Okay? Bigger picture. So he points out that Christians were appointed to suffer for their faith. He points out to them that he would suffer for the gospel as they know he has. Paul says, you know I'm going to suffer for the gospel. You know I'm going to go through it. You know there's going to be difficulties. Because I've already gone through it for you. I've already gone through it for you. So, he's concerned. He was concerned that they would be tempted to leave the faith and his labor was in vain. Look, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to reveal something about me concerning you. My biggest concerns for you, twofold. Number one, that when stuff happens in your life, you're just going to walk away. I'm concerned about that all the time. Number one. Number two, that you're going to be influenced by some false teaching. And there's some. And I know of at least four messages that are out there right in the Kerbinsville community. I've already mentioned one of them, Health and Wealth Prosperity. They're influence. Those are the things that concern me. Paul's concerned about that. He's concerned that they would be tempted to walk away from faith because of the stuff they're going through. You understand what I'm saying? Because of the stuff they're going through. Now, he's going to close, he's going to talk now about Timothy's report. Look at verse 6 and 10. 6 and 10. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Night and day pray exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Okay, so let's hear what here's what the report is. Number one, Timothy returned to Paul with a good report of their faith and love. So Timothy went up there, encouraged and came back and said, Paul, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. Timothy also reported that, that they remembered Paul and desired to see him again. They remembered Paul and desired to see him again. The report of their faith brought comfort to Paul in the midst of his afflictions and distresses. I think we can relate to that. You know, if you're a parent, I think you can exactly relate to this. What do you mean? Because it doesn't 
First Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to talk about purity and brotherly love. Sexual purity and brotherly love. That's a pretty interesting topic for today, isn't it? 